Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 6, 2014. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator for this morning. The share ID for Friday, April 4th, is 6135. That's 6135. This morning, A Vision for You presents A Manner of Living That Works. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous represent a process of spiritual transformation. We have had a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. We have a change in the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we behave. The channel of grace in us is cleared. The sunlight of the spirit deep down inside us is allowed to shine up and through us. We are restored to sanity. With respect to binge foods, we have been rendered completely neutral. No fight, no temptation. The problem has been removed. The only requirement is that we stay in fit spiritual condition. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Here to speak with us this morning on a manner of living that works is Jill J. Jill is a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York, who spends great time working with compulsive overeaters, helping others, and carrying the message of recovery. And welcome to A Vision for You, Jill. Good morning, everyone. Oh, what a pleasure and a, and a gift it is to be able to share my road of recovery this morning at 8.30 in the morning. I've been up since early saying I can't miss the time to get on and anxiously awaiting <clears throat> being um, given this privilege to speak. My name is Jill. I came into this fellowship August fifteenth, 1976. I was brought in on a prayer. I was a 300-pound agoraphobic in a state of anxiety all the time, living comfortably in my home and enjoying um, my family and feeling that uh, life was unmanageable and I didn't know how to find a solution. And one day I sat on my front porch, which was the furthest I'd left the house, from the front door to the front porch. I never walked down the driveway because I became riddled with anxiety. Um, I received a phone call in the middle of my prayer asking God to help me be a more responsible human being to my husband, my family, and the world around me because I was locked up in this house. I was, um, I'm was i an artist, I paint, and I did some service on the phone. So I thought I was a very good person, and I didn't know why we were having such difficulty. My husband was unemployed. I had four sons, <clears throat> and life was um, comfortable in the house and very fearful outside the door. <clears throat> I um, This person that called me at that moment in time said that my name popped into her head in that moment, and she'd like to share something with me. I generally didn't take visitors. I didn't want people to see how anxious I was, and I kind of was in, in hiding in the wall of my home. And um, I told her she can come over. And this vision walked up my driveway 
um, she, when I had seen her several years before, was morbidly obese, and here was this beautiful woman carrying a book under her arm, and she sat in my kitchen, and um, she shared with me a little bit about the big book, and my first question was, and I am going to mention food, and I hope it's okay, my first question was, would I be able to eat bagels and bread? And she said, you won't want to. And I smiled at her, and I patted her shoulder, and I thought she was a very nice lady, and um, I bid her farewell, not realizing that she was an angel that was carrying a message to me. Um, every Friday she'd call me and say, have you gone to the meeting of Overeaters Anonymous? And I made 100 excuses, and she irritated the heck out of me by saying, um, when I told her all my excuses, well, you're just not ready. She put it on my shoulders, and I didn't like that because, after all, I had a very busy home and busy family, and I was busy, you know, inviting people in and cooking and sharing and doing the things I could do within the confines of my comfortable atmosphere. Um, every night I'd pray and ask for some guidance. I knew there must be a God, but I didn't think God was there for me, and I really felt that I didn't understand why we were having such difficulty. Um, anyway, I spoke to my sister, and I said, I've got to do something, and she promised me. She'd take me to a meeting, which was very close to my home. I could get into the room, and if I became anxious, she'd take me right home. It was only five minutes from the house. I went to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, um, kind of the end of August. Well, actually, August 15th is when my recovery started, so it was probably early August when I was getting all these messages, um, I was turned away because it was a closed-step meeting, and my sister knew what to do. She took me to the local deli, I had a cup of coffee and something sweet, and came back to the room at 8 o'clock, which was a beginner's meeting, and I stepped in the room, and for the first time in my life, I heard somebody speak my song, carry my message and um, understood what they were saying. No one ever heard me before. I was 300 pounds and agoraphobic, but my problem wasn't my 300 pounds. That I was just born that way. I was made that way. I lost 100 pounds so many times and gained back 110, 120, so I never really could keep it off, and I didn't have a food problem anyway. I didn't eat a lot. I just kind of picked through my day. But that first meeting, I heard someone... Um, that I admired, and I asked this gentleman if he'd be my sponsor. Back in the day, 37 years ago, we didn't have the women stick with the women and the men stick with the men. If you heard something you wanted, you chose that person to be your sponsor. And I knew we had three sheets. I knew I was going to choose orange sheet because you're allowed to have bread, and my passion was bread. <clears throat> I came home, and what I had in my packet was gray sheet. There was no bread. And so I thought, well, I had to commit my food the next day, and my sponsor was going to give me an assignment to do. And I kind of tried to convince him that I have to eat in between meals, small meals, because I had acid reflux. And his answer to me was, okay, if you have to do that, but just bring a letter from your doctor. Back in the day, there was no fooling around. Everybody was very serious. I hung up the phone and I said, I joined uh, a group here of the 100 most wanted crazies. I never saw anything like it. They were holding hands. They were hugging and kissing. 
but there was something there that I felt compelled to stay. And so I did my first 30 days of back-to-back abstinence. I drove uh, my sponsor crazy because he gave me assignments, and I wrote 22 pages, and he had to sit and listen to them every night. And um, he was a wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Um, I knew that after 30 days, and, and the first 30 days of eating three meals and not eating in between, I began to realize that I kept going to cabinets and refrigerators. Now, I didn't come in to get thin. I came in to, I prayed to God and I made a deal with God because I was that powerful at that point in time in my life. I made a deal with God that if he helped me get rid of my fear, I would commit this ridiculous food plan to him. And uh, somehow or other, I was given that wonderful gift of that, of being able to get through the 30 days one day at a time. But I knew that I wasn't going to step up because, and I knew I wasn't going to lose weight. This program made a liar out of me. I began to realize that um, I not only had anxiety, I also had a physical problem. A 300-pound person isn't born that way. Um, In 30 days, I told him I wasn't going to step up, and he told me, that um, I had to pass on as much or as little as I, as I had received in that third, first 30 days. He said a little stronger. He said, who do you think you are? I gave you 30 days. Now it's your responsibility to sponsor someone else and to give back that 30 days. I thought I wasn't going to lose weight, and in 30 days I lost 18 pounds. And um, I felt something different. I didn't know what it was. But I felt somehow or other, as anxious as I was, that there was something going on that was beyond my understanding. I read the doctor's opinion, and in the doctor's opinion, it says that we have a physical addiction and mental obsession, and no amount of willpower can remove it. God could and would if he was sought. I didn't believe it, but I was willing to accept it. And um, in 30 days, I stood up, but I had a plan. I would eat my third meal, abstinent meal, not abstinent, but third meal, which I considered abstinence, but I would incorporate that bread back into my life because, after all, bread is a real food. And I was going out to dinner after the meeting, and someone came over to me, and I still speak to this gal 37 years later, and she said she liked the look in my eyes. I had lost 18 pounds in 30 days, and she wondered if I'd be her sponsor. She blew my whole plan right out of my head. In order for the privilege of being someone sponsoring, giving the program back, I had an abstinent meal. I didn't include bread. My first three months in the program, um, I, I stepped onto that pink cloud. I was awfully anxious. But I was able, through all of you and your love and support and that poem, Welcome Home, get back and forth to meetings, just to my meeting, and um, step out of the house a little bit. Further down in the program, uh, learning about a vision for you, I began to realize that my agoraphobia began uh, with a miscarriage. I miscarried in my fourth month, and I thought because... 
I really, at that point in time, I had two sons. I didn't want a third child. At that, it was a difficult time in our lives. <clears throat> I thought when I miscarried that I had the power to cause it, and that began the fear of stepping out the door. I was afraid that something would happen to my family if I separated from them. Um, anyway, I want to jump to the first year in the program. I lost 100 pounds. And um, the third year in the program, a day at a time, um, people were starting to take me out of my home and into meetings. I began to speak, and I began to get the miracles and the visions of the program. I had an evening one night at 11 o'clock at night. My parents stopped by, and they brought my, and I had 30 days of abstinence at that time, or maybe two months. I'm not quite certain. But my parents had gone to theater, and then they came to my house, and they brought in, I'm going to mention the the food, and I hope it's okay. They brought in bagels and donuts. They woke up my sons, and everybody was having a party in my den. And I was sitting on my front porch, really hungry and angry with God and crying. And I, I said that I didn't want to give up what I had felt so far, and I went into the bathroom, and I stood in the bathroom, and I said, God, if I'm going to die, um, take me now. But I am not picking up that bagel. I pray to God that um, you'll give me the strength to endure not jumping into the, the old pattern of going back to that food. Um, something happened to me, and um, I, I realized that I was be willing to die to live, and something raced through my body, my head felt light, I went up to bed, I was crying, I told God I hated him, I shouted in the darkness, why can't I eat a bagel, it's just food, it's just everybody else can, and I was very angry, I woke up in the morning, and I have never been the same, something, some kind of a spiritual awakening began in my life. Um, my if three years into the program, God said, it's time to grow up. It's time to learn to drive. My husband uh, fought me and said that there's no room for two drivers in the house. We didn't have the money and so forth and so on. I, I put it aside, and I kept getting that inner voice that said, it's time to learn to drive. I called the driving school, and I took driving lessons, and I was beginning to step out into the world. I went back to college. I have a degree. I I came into the program fat, fear, and failure. I was convinced that I was special needs, that I was learning disabled. I found out I'm not. I have been in the program 37 years. I have back-to-back -back abstinence. I eat in loving gratitude my three meals a day. And a vision for you and the promises of the program and the big book <clears throat> is what I live each and every day. Life is not easy. God didn't promise us a rose garden. September 9th, nine years ago, my oldest boy passed away at age 46, and I do believe he died of obesity. He was um, an AMT, and he was a PA, and he was a co-chief of an ambulance corps, a fire department, and the police department. He was very honored, but his, he had an intestinal rupture. He was morbidly obese, 
He was a very dedicated human being, and he laughed at what I did, and somehow or other he just wasn't interested, and I felt all I could be is a power example. If my son wanted what I had, he know where it, he knew where I got it from. I was willing to pay for anything um, to help him lose some weight. I saw he wasn't looking well, and he was gone in 10 days. That was nine years ago on September 25th. September 25th, this past 2013, my husband passed. He was 79 years old. He passed away on the same date, um, September 25th. And, um, you know, there are so many losses in my life and so many victories in my life. And uh, through all of it and through any of it, I never chose to pick up and and ease the pain. I prayed on it, and I walked through it, and God gave me the strength to endure my blessings. I'm so, so very grateful for my life today. I'm 77 uh, years old. My husband passed at 79. He was in this house um, for three months with hospice. He had a heart condition, and he had... Um, you know, congestive heart failure, and they did everything they possibly could for him, could for him. But I stood by his side and made him comfortable. The frightened child that entered the fellowship 37 years ago doesn't live here anymore. Um, I'm so grateful for my life, for my fellowship, for my people, and we trudge this road. I hear people say, "Well, you know, alcoholics just stop drinking." Drug addicts just stop using by the grace of God, but we have to eat. I have a disease that I'm so grateful for because in loving gratitude, I eat three beautiful meals a day, one day at a time. I am satisfied. I am filled to overflowing. My food is enough. I recently spoke at a meeting where someone said, well, I can't give up my cupcakes. Um God is my sugar. My higher power fills me to overflowing. That vision for you, we trudge the happy road of destiny together. And together we can do what we can never do alone. God gives me the strength to do the things that I could never do before I entered Overeaters Anonymous. I travel. I fly. I cruise. I just spent five weeks in Florida with my sister I live in on Long Island in New York. I am um, maybe, you know, I, it's lonely. My husband and I were married 57 years. There is a loss, but there's also a strength to endure my blessings. I am I, so grateful for the fellowship, for my whole new life, for all of you, and for the privilege of sponsoring and sharing. And by the way, years back when we were sponsoring, we were told uh, that it was a privilege to sponsor, and if you picked up, you had to do your 30 days again. I believe that that really works. I believe it's a good thing. I believe you can't give away what you don't have. Um, I am so grateful that I got that phone call that day, and whenever someone's name pops into my head, I make sure to call them because they could have been sitting on their front porch saying a little prayer and praying for this recovery. The God of my understanding um, is always there, always present, and um, 
my goodness, I I think that I may have reached, um, you know, um, um, what I wanted to share today. But abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Join us. Uh, be grateful for the food you can have because you're never going to be hungry once you get filled with the spirit, with the program, and with your life. I had a disease of more. I always wanted more. Nothing was ever enough. And I realized it wasn't the things outside me. It was the thing within. I never felt I was enough. Today I am enough by the grace of God. And my love for you all and the privilege of sharing my program and my vision for you, um, it goes beyond whatever I could express in my gratitude. I thank you for letting me share. Jill, thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning. Do you have time for a question and answer period? Sure. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. We're grateful to have you here, and uh, perhaps um, there are folks that have some questions uh, for Jill in terms of her transformation, her personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Would anyone like to direct a question to Jill this morning? Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Jill. Thank you so much for that beautiful share. Um, I was thinking that I'd like to hear a little bit about your spiritual practices and how you go about your 10 steps. Okay, every day, first of all, I, I pray every morning. I happen to like that 24 hours a day prayer book. And I share it. I have uh, my sponsees. We we put our hand in the book. We think right or left. And that way God speaks to us. During the course of my day, if I feel uncomfortable with something I've said or done, I do a 10-step. I think about it. And I think about making amends. Um, I'm not as important as I thought I was. I'm not as good as I thought I was. And I'm not as bad as I thought I was. And I do have importance in the world. So, you know, I know that I'm carrying messages in everything I think, say, and do. I don't preach, but I kind of listen closely, and I hear what people are saying, and I I love my life today. So that's how I practice my 10th step every night before I go to bed. I thank God for another beautiful day because that's really all we have. And I ask to be, I pray to be a channel for his peace and his love, and that's how I practice my program. I learned a lot about my past life, and I'm never finished. I haven't arrived. I'm forever changing and growing. I, 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 I was transformed from the old me into someone that I've never been, and it's hard to believe that this is the me that's walking today. That's how I practice it, and I, I eat in loving gratitude always always grateful and I eat quite well the way I eat and the way I learn to eat um, is the way people are being told to eat today so it's a wonderful thing thank you Jill thanks Sarah for the question who's next Mary Mary go ahead hi Jill thank you all for being here and Jill your story is just wonderful um I wanted to address your agoraphobia. Forgive me if I don't pronounce it right, but being in the self-help mental 
health field, having had nervous breakdowns and recovered and suicidal and survived my severe suicide. But um, it was interesting because I was just reading yesterday about a woman, a very famous writer, Elizabeth Sherrill, who was depressed all her life. She finally got help, and the therapist showed her, would you believe when she was 10 months old, her parents, just like that, went to Europe for four months. That was the problem. And she felt that from that, it was shown to her she felt no good and all these things. So my question to you is, um, that you, how did you get that insight? Was that through a professional that your agoraphobia really started when you had your miscarriage? And there is a movie out. I just want to share with everyone. I think it's... Um, Mary, that that's an okay. outside issue. Thank you. Right. I'm sorry. It just Thanks. goes with this thing. But anyway, I think I finished my question. Thank you. I hope you understood it. She might be having trouble hitting star one. Jill, press star one to unmute to respond to Mary's question. I'm so sorry. Mary, can you hear me? You're being heard. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mary, what happened, how I discovered, first of all, how I discovered that it was from the miscarriage, and I'm going to say this very quickly, and there's men on the line, but I just have to you know, state my, what happened was that I I just got this impetus to walk from my house and get my hair done two blocks away, and I was terrified, and I did it. And I reached the beauty parlor, and uh, the uh, gentleman there washed my hair, and he said, what's wrong with you? I can't wash your hair. Your scalp is rigid. I said, just rinse it quickly, blow it out, and let me walk back home. On the way home, I started to get cramps, and I sat down in this chair and I felt as though it was my time of the month. It wasn't, but I felt as though, and I began to get extreme pain, and I re-experienced the miscarriage, and I realized that that's when my agoraphobia started, when I lost that baby. And I always found that an inner guide, an inner voice, um, I, I became aware of things that I couldn't believe. I became aware that my... My depression began when my grandmother, who was actually mothering me, um, died when I was five and a half and my sister was born, and I felt totally abandoned, and I thought it was because I was a bad person. So that was an inner feeling of depression that I had. It was in this program that I was given um, insight and awarenesses that were incredible. The agoraphobia, like my food addiction, was just lifted. It was just removed root and branch. I heard an inner voice that said to me, move freely into the world. It's just not happening anymore. And it was frightening. And people promised when they took me out the door to get me home if I started to panic. But the panics eventually went away. And I'm in the field now. I work with people that have this problem. So thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Jill. Jill, could you perhaps uh, elaborate on how the steps uh, help to transform your personality, please? Is, uh, okay. As, mm-hmm. I, as, as I walked through the steps and did my writing, 
um, it was it, it was almost I I could tell you that it was grace. I can't explain how I became more and more aware, more and more courage, more and more moving forward, more and more faith. Uh, people were by my side. I I sometimes move forward frightened and in unbelief, but um, the, each step brought me more wisdom. Um, that was beyond my understanding. And today and the past years, I have the peace that the world can neither give nor take away. It's a peace that passes all understanding, and I consider it totally spiritual. So walking my 12 steps, and then my prayer was that I could always be in a position of giving it back. I wanted to give back, and I can never give back enough. And the more I give, it seems, the more I receive. It's just the way it works. That's how the steps transform my life. I totally believe them. I totally know they work. Thank you. Any Anyone else with a question this morning for Jill? I have one, Daia, um, calling from uh, Illinois. And Go ahead, Daia. Good morning. Okay, thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much, Jill, for your uh qualification, and uh, I hope this is, I'm not being redundant because I'm in a hospital helping someone. I may have missed this part of your qualification, but um, I would like to know how long was it before you were into your steps and the big book right away. Uh, that you knew, okay, yeah, okay, right away. that you, okay, good, that you had let go of the food instead of focusing it on, took me, on the book. It took me a year to believe that I was a, a compulsive overreader. Okay. I just thought that I had a mental problem. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the steps and the fellowship would give me the strength. So it was finding you all and feeling the love and the acceptance that made me continue until one day, you know when I really discovered I was a compulsive overeater when I went on maintenance and they didn't add more food back into my life. Uh, I used to have a cup of pineapple every morning and I, I, I mentioned the food and my maintenance sponsor uh, said, oh, we only do a half a cup. And I said, wait a minute, I just lost 100 pounds. I thought you'd give me more food. And I realized that I was looking forward to more food, and I realized at that time that that I was winning. I was winning a victory over this food addiction by the grace of God, and that it wasn't more food that I needed on maintenance. It was more program. Thanks, Daia, for the question. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Can I ask a question? Please, who's this? Hi, it's Liba. Um, I want to know how, um, okay, so she mentioned she went through a lot of hardships, right? How did, like, program help you overcome, like, the death of your son? And, like, what what did you use, like, specifically? Um, I can't even tell you that. It just was. You know, when my son passed away, um, I was working at the time, you know, mm-hmm. in other words, at night. But when my son passed away, um, there was food delivered to this house for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Morning, noon, and evening, all kinds of food. Well, I knew I had mine. And there was a strength that I had through his loss. And then two years later when his son got married and my son wasn't there, there was a strength that passes all understanding. So you can't. I can't tell you, I can just tell you that I was given a strength beyond um, what I ever 
had before in my life. And that's how I got through it. And the love of my family, my friends, my sons. I had a young grandson. That was um, when my son passed. He was maybe a year old. And focusing on that, my work and my commitment to the fellowship, I just was able to do it. Just as just now losing, losing my husband, somehow or other, I have the strength to go on. 57 years is a long time to be married. How could how could you define it? My higher power gives me the strength. He gives me the power, and he gives me the wisdom. And I am have only just begun. My life keeps evolving, new dimensions. So, that's it. Thank you, Leva, for the question. Anyone else this morning? Sue. I didn't catch Michelle, I believe, and there was someone before Michelle? Sue. Do. Okay, go ahead, do. I'm Sue, S-U-E. Sue. (laughs) Go ahead, Sue, please. Okay, from Pennsylvania here. Um, Thank you very much, Jill, for your share. That was really very helpful. And I'm I'm thinking also about the steps. that you said that the writing of the steps really increased your awareness. And I I have that experience that I, I kind of experienced writing of steps as a form of prayer and meditation. Um, but I wonder how the writing ha- works for you. How did that help you? That's, that's a um, I, Okay, well, I just put down my thoughts on paper, and it always helped me because I found out when I wrote you see, if I had a thought, I could change it in my head, and I could justify it, and I could push it away or make my own thing. But when I wrote on the steps or I wrote on what was happening in my day, and I used to write a thank you, God, letter every night, when I wrote, I, I many times um, at the end of it, the last three sentences I found was the answer to my question. And when I ended my writing with a question, then the answers were yet to follow. I learned to live the questions. The answers always follow. And that's how my writing helps me, and I still write. I love to write. I write poems. I write things. I write all the time. I write and I paint as well. You know, when I couldn't eat in between my meals, I sketched. I did things. I kept myself busy. I have a friend that says, go out and wash the car. I just did a lot of things to keep focused on um, the writing and the recovery process. And it wasn't an option to pick up. My one extra bite, see, all I ever gave to myself was food, and I deserve more than food. So my one extra bite was my gift to my higher power. It would never fill me. And um, I think God must have gained weight because I gave him a lot of one extra bites. And when I really was in my worst pain or trouble, I took off one extra. I gave myself a little less. I always use the scale. I don't take scales to restaurants. I take gods to restaurants. And I always know when to stop. But that's a gift. Thanks, Sue, for the question. And, Michelle, your turn. Perhaps I got the name incorrect. There was another person with a question. I have a question if nobody is there. 
Okay. And your name, please. Yes, my name is Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Go ahead. Good morning. I'd like to thank the speaker for her awesome lead, and I'd like for her to share with, with us uh, her daily 11-step work, her 11-step. Thank you. Okay, so my 11th step is my conscious contact with God. And, um, you know, on a daily basis, um, that is my most important thing. I'm very demanding, and I know it. And I have to feel the presence. And when I don't, I will sit still and meditate or pray. I'll take time out. And that's how I do my 11th. Leah? Yes. Hi, Good. Michelle. Oh. Yes, Michelle, go right ahead. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I thought I was unmuted and I was muted. Um, Jill, thank you so much for your share. And I am sorry about the loss of your son. Um, I, my daughter is um, 25 years old and she's morbidly obese. And I, um, it causes me a lot of pain Um to you know, see what she see what she's going through, and I just was wondering if um, if there was any advice you had for me or thoughts you had for me in terms of um, either helping her or helping myself more to um, accept what is. Um, well, the truth of the matter is you're powerless over her choices. I don't know how old she is. but 25, um, yeah. 25. But it's very it's a hard road. And, um, you know, unless she makes a decision that she wants to do something, the one thing is when, you know, when I gave up that one extra bite in that food, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. I I was terrified to be without it. It really was the thing that held me together, but I I thought it was, but it was killing me. Uh, the very things, my house, I was I was suffocating in it. Um, my obesity. The whole thing is to love a person whole, and understand that it's difficult for her, and be supportive, and just see if you can get her to a place of help. I couldn't do it for my son. He wasn't interested. My younger boys are, they're different. I have nine years between two sets of sons. I have four sons. And uh, my younger sons grew up with a different mother. I carefully taught them that when you're in pain, eat, my two older boys. We sat down, we ate, we talked, we shared. Food is love, and um, it's really not. But that's how it felt to me. So um, it was instant gratification. It was very, very important. I had to learn to stand still and feel my pain. But it is a hard road for your daughter, and I wish her the best. I know that my answer was in OA. Thank you, Michelle, for the question. Anyone else this morning? Hi, my name is Joanna. Joanna, Go ahead. Please speak up a bit if you can. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Joanna, compulsive overeater and sugar addict. I was just wondering um, what you did when you felt like you wanted to eat more food, if you ever felt that, and what you did, what kinds of things it helped with that. 
if I ever felt that. The first year of, of in my recovery, I climbed the walls and walked across the ceilings. I I cried. I absolutely felt like I wanted to eat, but it wasn't an option. And I said, you know, I can do anything for 24 hours that I can't do for a lifetime. So I, this is not, I'm not fasting. I'm getting three meals a day. And in between, I did have tea or coffee, you know, um, that kind of a thing. I chewed gum back in the day. <clears throat> when I went food shopping, because when I was able to get out and do that with my partner, and do some shopping and get home. In order to put the groceries away, I had a little glass of diet soda as I was putting the food away. It was painful. It was hard. It wasn't easy. But um, I didn't have an option to go back into it. Uh, Of course, today I wouldn't even dream of having diet soda or soda. I haven't had it in years. I don't chew gum anymore. He lifted the obsession to smoke. I haven't smoked in 20 years. When, to tell you the truth, when I gained 12 pounds, when I stopped smoking, and I knew, and I was also going through my changes, and I knew that I hadn't done anything wrong. I was eating my three meals a day and doing exercise and everything. I said, okay, God, I'm not comfortable, but I'm not going back to cigarettes because he lifted it. So my body belongs to you. I belong to you. My heart, my body, my spirit belong to you. And um, I'm just going to trust the process. I, I'm maintaining 135-pound weight loss for uh, 37 years. It works. It just works. So I am so grateful for my life today. I deserve more than food. And he never, God never said you can't eat. We, we are very well fed. It's just that we can't eat the stuff like the sugar. I know that it would cause a phenomenon of craving, and I know that my disease is doing push-ups. It doesn't matter if I have 37 years of back-to-back abstinence. I'm a recovering person, and I live in recovery, and I don't want to go back in disease. I've seen the pain of people that picked up. Um, I'm, I'm a coward. I'm afraid to pick up. I have no reason to pick up, and I don't want to ever experience it again, what I felt when I was morbidly obese. I feel free from bondage, from the bondage of our disease. And uh, as I said, I'm grateful. We could eat three meals a day. We could eat. We can go out, and we could choose wonderful meals. And uh, it's, And when I do eat, by the way, I veg out, I daydream. It definitely soothes my body. And when I'm done eating, I say thank you. Before I eat, I say thank you. I I pray that the food nourishes my spirit as well as my body, according to God's will, and I go about my life. Thanks, Joanna, for the question. Anyone else? Jill, I would love to do what you do. Would you give us an example of how you write a step? Take a step for us and show us what you would say, because I'm trying to figure it out. Thank you. Well, first of all, that very first step it, it tells me that I'm powerless. And um, the second step is a promise. And it tells me that a power greater than myself is promising to restore me to sanity. And the third step told me that um, I, I, be, I, 
I came to believe and I turned my will my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God. Now, if I believe those first three steps, my fourth step, when I took it, I didn't take anyone else's inventory. I took my own. I wrote what I knew about me, <clears throat> and um, and that was it. That I did one fourth step, and that was the end of the fourth step. My tenth step is my clean house step. My fourth step was getting rid of of the demons that that um, were that I was living with. And my fifth and sixth step, my sixth step frightens me. I still do a sixth step all the time because I cannot lift my defects. And, you know, as you grow, you develop new ones. And I ask God to show me, and um, only God lifts our defects. So, you know, understanding the steps and how they work is how I live my life. Um, You know, uh, if I offend someone, I just make amends, and I don't expect them to respond in kind i just i take care of my side of the street and i am responsible for my behaviors my actions and my feelings and um other people don't have to cater to me i don't cater to other people when i say yes i have to mean yes when i say no i have to mean no my my steps taught me a manner of living that works and it is a beautiful beautiful life and i'm so grateful for my friends my family and the life I'm living today. I'm so grateful. Jill, I, I still don't talk. understand. Could could you just help me a little bit? Because I really sure. want to do this. Say six, okay? Dear God, please, because you, you said you would write in the letter to him, and then you would ask questions, and at the end you would get answers. Dear God, I have a problem with gossip and with my temper. God, how am I going to get out of this? Um something like that and then and okay so if you have a problem with gossiping or temper and you're aware of it and you're writing about it you you have to begin a change which you'll be guided to do that's how it works so in other words if i don't want to gossip anymore when i begin when i see myself beginning to gossip i stop and I say, okay, God, I need your help. Please help me lift this. I have conversations with God on a daily basis, all day long, here and there and everywhere. Um, for example, for Lent, I mean, what am I going to give up, you know, as far as meals go? So what I do is I cannot tell a lie during this period of time. And if I catch myself beginning, I correct myself immediately. Because sometimes a little white lie could slip out. Did you mail the letter? Yeah, I mailed it. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mail the letter. You know, th- simple things like that. It's a process that e- that evolves. Temper? Why are you angry? Um, I look at it. Why did that person make me angry? They don't have the power to control. To, to They're not responsible for my feelings. I'm responsible for my feelings. And then I turn over the, my anger, and I pray that it gets lifted. You know, God couldn't would if he was sought. That's how I work my steps. It's all in surrender. Thanks, my Jill. I'm getting bite. it. Okay. Okay? It's surrender. It's stop fighting and surrender. Let go and let God. Thank you, Mary, for that question. Anyone else this morning? This is Susan. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Go ahead. Hi, good morning to you both. 
Thanks so much to you both. Um, I am going to make a very quick statement and then go right into the question, as I know you guys prefer. Um, I have not been tested in my abstinence, meaning I'm tested by the day-to-day -day trials and tribulations, but I haven't uh, lost a loved one, let's say. Could you speak more, Jill, um, if I might bring up this painful subject matter, of bringing God in, bringing this program into the loss of your son rather than picking up the food? Because I'd love to hear um, and be inspired by how someone who's been doing this a lot longer than I have is able to do it. Thanks so much. Okay. I am powerless. I am powerless over people, places, and things. I control nothing. Um, I don't believe that God took my son. I believe that my son could have made some better choices, and uh, there was no way that I could convince him or anyone of how to live their life, including all the people that are calling in today. I could only share my strength, hope, and experience. I could only be a power example. Um, I believe with all my heart. And that's how I live. And if I'm wrong, I stand still and and ask to be shown. My favorite prayer is, fill me, teach me, guide me, show me. You know, because I'm forever in a process of learning. Um, I, and so there is no definitive answer. Life throws things at us, or whether there's a loss of a job or a partner or a child or, or illness or whatever happens. Acceptance is the solution to all my problems. Accept life on life's terms. I learned how to live life on life's terms. You don't need a tragedy to realize that your life is a gift, and I today live a life of purposeful living, of purpose and meaning. I have something I could share. I have something that I can contribute to the universe, and it's wonderful. I recently, this agoraphobic, retarded person that came into the program, Fat Freaking Failure is what I thought of me, just got an award from our Nassau County representative for um, a woman of outstanding achievement. How does that happen? I don't know. I had an art show at the Levittown Library, and they took pictures, and, you know, I was in the newspaper. I mean, things go on in my life, and I stand in awe of it, and I know it's miracles. And Oh, my God, it's so much better than a cupcake. I settled. I don't want to settle. I want to live my life to the fullest. Thank you, God. And it's the God of my understanding. And atheists can do it, too, because as long as they give up their power and rely on a power greater than them, because there is a spiritual awakening and a, an emotional rearrangement, that's what the steps promise us that where we were, we are no longer. I was born again. I am a different person. The person that came into the fellowship no longer is. Uh, the person that came into the fellowship would have never been able to drive her husband many years ago with his first heart attack, and they blue-coated him in the hospital to drive him to the emergency room in the middle of the night. I would have sat there and panicked, sat wrapped in a blanket. What a great gift this program is. I don't question it. I live it. Susan, thank you for your question. Anyone else? Leah, this is Sarah. I'm going to double dip if I can. Please, go ahead. 
Okay, thank you. Um, Jill, um, yes. I, I love, you know, your, your mentality, and I'm very like-minded. I see uh, what, I, what I was thinking of is talking a little bit about um, boundaries, not only with food, but with behaviors of other people, um, minding my own business, um, that kind of thing, and being able to say no. I know I sponsor people, and, you know, I, I work another program, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times we feel that love and tolerance means that we don't say no, that we don't say, um, I can't uh, at this time, um, or even with behaviors to restaurants, um, you know, if they bring us food specifically that we haven't ordered, a lot of people have a hard time saying, you know, I didn't order it that way, can you please bring it back? Can you address those, please? Sure, it's learned behavior. You see, I found out that I, you know, I'm going to say something funny. If my children called me a prostitute, I'd really get hysterical laughing because I don't own that behavior. But if they called me a liar, I'd get very upset because I lied to myself all the time. I wanted you to love me, so I said yes when I meant no. I I, uh, never wanted to offend people, so I accepted what what I didn't want. Uh, If they brought me food, my children back in the day would say, oh, just take the bun, the hamburger off the bun. I wanted a new burger. I didn't want the bread touching my my burger. Um, It's just the way I felt, and I learned how to take care of myself and how to be honest. And if I say yes, I better mean yes, because once I commit to something, I have to follow through. Okay? If I say no, I have to mean no, because I'm going to stand my ground. In other words, I'm honest today, as honest as I know how to be, and I'm forever evolving. I'm not a rock anymore. I'm growing and changing all the time, so it's a wonderful, wonderful Look, there's no perfection. God is perfect. I'm very imperfect, but I'm I'm a student always, and I'm forever learning. I learn from all of you, and my character just changed. So that's how I do it. Thank you, Sarah. Anyone else? This is Jean from Boston. I heard Jean from Boston, and then who else? Alita from Minnesota. Alita from Minnesota. Okay, let's start with Jean, please. Hi, Joe. Um, it's um, it was really good to hear your story today. And so many things. It's like uh, I'm in program a long time. I come in heavy. I was brought up on um, different literature. You know, when we come in, we used um, different literature, and I still use it today. Um, I have um, I have a daughter now. She's um. In the fifties, early fifties, and she has some young children, and she's in the hospital, and nobody can find out what's wrong with her. And um, she went in because she, with a fractured back, and somehow or other, I don't know whether her psych medicines got mixed up, or her pain med- medicines got mixed up. I don't know. All I know is like sometimes she's there and sometimes she's not, and. Um, I lost a granddaughter years ago, but I've never lost a child, and um, I'm having a hard time with this. Of course um, you would. I'm not eating. I'm not eating. I don't eat. I've lost a, you know, I, mm. you know, I, 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 I was 270 pounds when I come in, and I've lost a lot of weight, but I'm not eating, but it's like um, I, I don't. 
I'm afraid I'm going to lose a child to mental illness. And um, she's got young children. So anything you get to say may help. I'm so sorry for your pain. I really am. And just hang in there and keep the faith. You never know. You just don't know. I, life is hard, honey. And, uh, gee, I just would love to just embrace you and wish you well and uh, pray for your family that things, you know, go the way you'd like them to go. We never know. We just never know. It's not easy, but I pray that you have the strength to endure your blessings and be strong for the other people, you know, her children and all. And please take good care of you so you could be there for them. Okay. Thank okay. you, Jean. Thank you. And Alita, please, with a question. Yes, this is Alita. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Oh, great. Well, um, thank you so much, Jill. I, I just loved your share, and I've been in and out on this phone bridge um, because I have other responsibilities this morning. But I, you may have already given your number, and I was wondering if you could um, give your number. I didn't hear it, or are you um, not willing to do that? Okay, I'm going to give my, Leah has my number, and if anybody wants to speak with me, they have to come to me through Leah, because people were calling me the last time I spoke on the phone, and I mm-hmm. got some strange phone calls from people that weren't okay. in the, you know, that weren't going to meetings and all, and didn't Thank have a sponsor. You. So, you know, I would love to speak with everyone, but I want to speak to people that are walking a little bit into a room here and there, and are mm-hmm. taking action. Action sure, is the magic word. Thank you. We will offer uh, Jill's email address after the recording. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Jill, for spending time with us this morning, sharing your transformation with us from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence as a result of the 12-step program of recovery. Thank you very much. And I'm going to close this morning's meeting in the way that we always close our meetings here on A Vision for You, and that's from page 164 from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you you and and keep you until until then. then.